Good morning. Everybody have a nice Christmas? Um, anybody get anything? You know, there's different types of personalities. Some people, they do Christmas by, uh, these are the list of things that I want, and then you fill that list, right? And then there are, are uh, family personalities that are just, I'm just going to get you what I want. I don't care if you like it or not, you know, kind of thing. So not, not in a choice of liking or not, but in surprise. How many of you got Christmas gifts that totally surprised you? Totally caught you off guard. Yeah, quite a few. I think that's cool. Did you like them? Raise your hand. Did you? Okay. <laughs> the person that bought it sitting right next to you. Um, so I, I, I was surprised this morning. I got a surprise. Uh, Anthony and Mary came to visit us. For you guys that don't know, Anthony and Mary were on staff with us. Mary was our children's pastor before Krista. And, um, and, and Lynn and I have known them for years. They were out of our, our, the church we pastored last up on east of Denver. And uh, they, um, I asked them if they drove in or flown, but I think Anthony said they bicycled um, <laughs> from, from the northeast all the way here. So, um, and then my family. I, I don't, this doesn't happen very often, but all of my children are here, and uh, their spouses and my two grandkids. And so that's, that's a huge blessing for me, too. So... And, um, and all of their names, my, my granddaughter's name is Eloise, and my grandson's name is Ezra. Okay, so, <laughs> so, uh, so bring you up to date a little bit on the building stuff. This, is, this, is, um, th- this happened this last week. We got permission from the city. They re-engineered the sewer stuff. So, so some of you um, uh, may not know this, but we've been dealing with what? for this for, for a few months now, that every time we dig right down over here, uh, there's too much water underground, and it's just flowing in. There's springs and all kinds of stuff that are happening. We can't get the sewer line in the ground because there's too much water, and the companies that are doing this have tried everything, that all the tricks in the book kind of thing, and they just can't get it done, and so uh, we, we petitioned the city, and the city let us change the engineering on that so we can go from eight feet down up to six feet down. So the sewer line will now run at six feet, which is right about where the water, water starts at around five feet deep, and, uh, and it's just overbearing. And so um, that, and then we're, we're looking at another company to mitigate the water force, and because of that change, it's going to be a, a much, much uh, less expensive. And so um, keep praying, keep praying. We definitely need God to do something here. I mean, we, we're, 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 we, over the last couple of weeks, we just got to the point where we're saying, we don't know how to do this. And, um, and I'm sitting in the meetings like, I matter in these things. And, um, and, they're, and they're saying things like, yeah, what? and then they all look to me because, you know, I'm, I'm the primary, I'm the, I'm the bill payer, you know, quote unquote. And they all look to me like, what do you think? I'm like, that's about all I can contribute. <laughs> I want to look like, I, wanna, I don't want to be the guy going, oh, no. So I'm like, you know what he said? Sounded a lot like what he said, you know, that kind of thing. So... But it's good. This is, a, this is a huge step forward. This will save us a lot of money I'm trying to figure this out. So to continue to pray. When you think about that, pray, God, we've got to get this sewer done. We've got to get it happening. And so, so there you go. So this is the last uh, Sunday of 2021. Um, this, this, is, this is weird for me because I, I, at the end of last year, I did not think I would say this, but I think 2021 has been crazier than 2020. I think, 
you know, 2020 caught everybody off guard, you know, just so caught us off guard. And so all of the things like, um, you know, not being able to have church and all that kind of stuff, we kind of muddled through 2020. I mean, you guys know around here, we, we never stopped having church, but, but all the other churches, uh, they kind of muddled through this and everything. But then, you know, you find out three, six months into 2021 that there are still churches not having church. Um, and then all of the different uh, lockdowns and all the different things going on with, with that. Then you've got all of the crazy stuff uh, going on around the world. Some of the stuff I've been showing you about um, Iran, uh, they're just crazy stuff. And so I, I've, been, I've been thinking about this because we, we understand, I think most of us would have this concept, or I would hope you would have this concept, that we know that the Bible gives us uh, information that we need to live for God, right? That we, go, we look back in the Bible and we see these stories and we, and we read these stories and we recognize that this, this story is, is a person that God is, is um, using as a way to show him interacting with humanity. And he does this with all of us, but, but, he, but he highlights people through Scripture to, to do this with, to give an uh, understanding of this is how you deal with this situation. And so we watch how people walk through these life stories, walk through different situations. And some of these people, we get most of their life, some just moments. But we, we understand looking at the Bible that... That did did somebody just die? What happened there? So here's what we do with that is we we do this with the Bible, and I think this is pretty important, is that we also understand, and, and this is where we, we, this doesn't translate into our head most of the time. I, I don't know why. It doesn't translate into my head. I have to, I have to be intentional. I have to tell myself this stuff. But what will happen is we look back into the Bible, we look at Scripture, we understand the stories, we understand the people, and then we go, okay, this is how I deal with this, or this is how I understand God. Or, or, but, but here's the thing is God is doing this in our lives, you and, you and our life, all the time. He's constantly taking us backwards into situations and, and trying to teach us from those or taking us through situations. Years ago, I started, I started writing um, uh, the stories that have happened to me. I started writing those down. And, and I, have, I have pages of this in, in my computer where I have documented what has gone on. Because here's what, here's what I realize over time is when you're going through a situation, good, bad, you know, struggle, not struggle, whatever the case is, when you're going through that, there's, there's a way that you're processing that. There's a way that you're moting as you go through that situation. You're, you're, you're looking at it from inside the situation. When you move ahead of that, you know, five years later, a year later, 20 years later, whatever, you begin to see that in a different perspective because time does that. You will feel differently about certain elements of it. And then what happens is, is you actually will adjust the details of what actually happened in your mind according to how you are now processing it in relationship to how you process it then. Um, it's sometimes in the middle of a situation, there, there can be no hope. And then you look at it 10 years later and you realize that's, that wasn't the case. You know, God did this and God did this. And, and, and you can even begin to change the way you feel. When you, as you begin to change the way you feel now about it, it begins to change the way you process how you thought you were feeling and processing back then uh, in these situations. And so I, I've, I've spent a lot of time over the years writing down a lot of the stuff that has happened to 
me and to Linda and I and to um, our family and to the the kingdom of God and the churches and stuff that we've been involved with because I think that it's important. Now, I'm not trying to say that when I'm writing those stories down, it's the same level of the Bible. That's not what I'm saying. But I do think that they are very important things that God has has brought me through and helped me learn and process. And that's why I tell those stories oftentimes in, in messages and things is because God is is using that. The same reason you should be telling these stories of your life, um, not mine, you don't tell my stories to other people, but you tell your stories to other people because God is trying to use that stuff. He brought you through that stuff, and it wasn't just because of the moment or the, the, the you individually in that. It's because you're, you've got a story, you've got a journey that God is doing with you, and he is trying to change the world one person at a time, through one person at a time, and how he does that is through you telling people about Jesus, and then you tell them how Jesus took you through certain things and and showed you stuff. Now, this is obviously vitally important, is make sure that the conclusions that you've come through to through these situations are biblical, okay? This is something that I've seen over the years. As we come through a situation, it's not you know, we, what we learned on the other side was not biblical. We came up with our own idea. We came up with our own um, conclusion that wasn't good. It wasn't biblical. It, was, it can actually be harmful to us, and it can be harmful to others. So, so as, we're, as we're finishing up 2021 here, there's some things. And, and for the next few weeks, I'm going to be doing a series on um, what I call filters, all the stuff that makes you you, okay? I'll, I'll unpack that a little bit more. But but why do you think the way you do? Why do you process? Why, why is certain things in your life the way that it is? And we're going to look at a lot of stuff that Scripture says about how do we arrive at, at, a, at a, just drop a pin somewhere in your life and say, why did I think that way or process? Or how, why did I treat people that way? Or, and I'm not saying bad. I mean, good and bad, right? All kinds of stuff. And the reason is because we're trying to get to the point where we are actively ministering to other people. This isn't just the, the, the paradigm that Western churches has created so much, so strongly, that, that church, we come to church and we do church and, um, and then we go home. And, and, and it's not about really engaging. We think, we think that if we've read the Bible and prayed that week that we're like these super Christians, when really that's the foundation. Right? That's the basics. That's the beginning. That, that's like saying, you know what I did today? I breathed. And everybody's like, woo, you breathed. That, that's basics, okay? You don't actively think about breathing. But, but those, are the, the, those are the disciplines that, that lead to being who Christ has, has created us to be, to ministering, to doing what Christ has created us to do. And that's where we, we are, we're always going to be pushing that direction, always pushing that direction. And so some of this is going to be, why are you you? We're going we're gonna to unpack that. And quite honestly, there's, you got two options over the next few weeks. Well, you got three. One is don't come to church. That's not a good option. The other two are, um, I'm going to listen to this and say, Holy Spirit, I really need you to work on me and do some things. I need you to show me some stuff. And really work through some of the scriptures we're doing, we're going to be looking at and processing. The, the other is kind of ignore it and just move on and act like nothing's wrong, nothing needs to be changed or whatever. Guys, we have, we have developed a, a, an Americanized Christianity that is really good at, at moving on and not really letting the Holy Spirit work on us, change us and develop us. And so, 
So this is like going to be the introduction in the next few weeks. I'm going to unpack some of this stuff. To, to look at, go backwards and just look at this year. We're not, we're not going back in life a long time. Okay? We're, we'll do that over the next few weeks. But, but just to look at 2021 this year and, and say, what were the things that happened? There were good things or bad things. Uh, what are you learning from them? What did you learn? What are you still learning? And how do they become part of the, the journey that you are on? How, how is God using these things to develop you and then using them through you to develop other people? Because that's always his desire. Love God with everything. Love your neighbors yourself. So, so what, what has happened just this last year? And, and, and you're, you have to process that, right? I say it, but you have to process it in your mind. What has happened just this last year? What are the good ones? What are the bad ones? And here's something we have to be careful of because we do not categorize things properly oftentimes as Christians. We will put everything that happened in our life that we would account as good, regardless of whether God sees it as good or not, but we felt like it was good, good to us, good for us, or whatever the case is. And so then we attribute all that to God. And anything that happened we didn't like, which we would count in the bad category, we would say that was all Satan. Don't we do that? Right? But reality says that sometimes the things that we think are good, they're not good. They're not good for us, and God is not doing them. Sometimes Satan is using stuff to manipulate us, and we're playing along. We're playing the game and think we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Everything is good. God is surely blessing me. And the, and the opposite is true, too, is sometimes the things that we would account for bad we say, well, that, that was horrible. Where the circumstances? Sometimes God's actually doing that stuff because he's trying to grow us, mature us. He's trying to develop us. But we put it in a category that says, well, it was bad. Why? Because I didn't like it. That doesn't mean it wasn't from God. We've we, 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 we got to also learn to categorize and process stuff in the right way. There are things that happened this last year. That, that were part of us, and I'm talking not just like um, moments in time, but also the way we think, the way we are looking at God, looking at ourselves, looking at Scripture. There are things that we need to move away from. The Holy Spirit is, is probably already showing you that, but you got to move away from some things. There's some mentalities you got to move away from. There's some, there's some life habits that you're developing that you've got to move away from those. We're going we're gonna to look at over the next few weeks how those develop, um, where they come from, and then how we're going to uh, get rid of them, how we move away from them. And then there's some things that you need to embrace, too. God, God was doing some stuff in your life, and you, you need to embrace it. You need to process it. You need to, you need to thank God. I'll unpack that a little bit more, too. But thank God for some things that we would never think about thanking him for, to embrace some stuff. He's doing some change in your life. Go with it. Don't resist what God is doing. Embrace it. Move the direction that he's trying to get you to go. He, he, he's got enough um, plan for you and patience and grace and love and mercy and all this stuff that he's trying to get you to go that direction. So, so go that direction. Now, now, a lot of this stuff, you just have to figure out what that is, um, and that's going to take praying. In fact, I'm, I'm going to talk about this more next week. The week after that, we're going to have a, the, so it would be the second week of January. We're going to have a, a week where we're going to really focus on praying and fasting, try to do that as a church. Um, we need it spiritually, and usually after Christmas and Thanksgiving, we need it physically, right? So, let the Lord do something with all of you. You know, we sing the song, Lord, take all of me, and God's like, that's a lot, but I'll do what I can. <laughs> so, so, let him take all of us and make it less of us.
Colossians chapter 1. Um, these, the, I'm going to walk through a few scriptures here that I, I, to me are, they, they seem really simple and basic, but it is amazing how they are becoming, they are, they are escaping us in the church thinking, and it's becoming worse and worse. In Colossians chapter 1, verse 11, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power. Now, Paul is praying that because why? It doesn't just happen naturally. You have to work toward this. So let me ask you the question. Are, do, you, do you feel like that you are being strengthened by God's glorious power? For what? So you will have all the endurance and patience that you need. These are things that we're supposed to be having in our life. Endurance and patience. And that's a long-term thinking, right? Endurance. That's, that's a, that, that you think you, th- you think. Uh, future when you're processing that kind of thing. Um, as Christians, are we developing endurance? That's something you have to work at. It doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't happen naturally physically either, right? I, I had a guy years ago. I've been, I, I, have, I have an active workout schedule. I've been doing that for years and years and years. And, um, and I had a guy uh, about uh, 15 years ago. He told me, he said, um, when you get, as you, as you get into your 40s, and specifically once you turn 45, that, that window of 45 to 50, he says you start losing a lot of stuff physically. That you, that, and, and I would hear people say this, and I'd be like, whatever, I'm going to be different. And, and things I recognize now, things that I do when I'm working out, that like when I'm 25 or 30 and, I, and I'm doing that, I'm gaining, right? My body's gaining. I, I lift weights. And I gain, I gain muscle, I gain strength, and other stuff. But, and then I could go for like a couple of months without working out. And when I would come back, I would be the exact same as I was, maybe even a little stronger, just because I'd eaten more or something. I don't know. But nowadays, I go and work out, and if I don't go work out the next day, I'm losing. I'm losing the stuff that I had worked for. And I, and I have to work out now harder, longer, stronger, just to be the same, just to maintain this amazing physique. It takes more. Well, here's the thing that I realized over time is in the spiritual dynamic, it's actually the opposite. The more that you grow in God and that you uh, get older in him, that your tenure in him, the more you do that, it's like a, it's like a, a compound interest kind of thing. The more you grow in him, the more you understand about him, the quicker you understand certain things. The, the more time you spend with him, the quicker you can engage with him. All these things grow quicker, better as you grow older in God, not necessarily older in age, but older in God. They, they, they get better and quicker and stronger. And, and, and it's sometimes, even, well, a lot of times, easier. It's easier for me to say no to certain sin and issues and attitudes and mindsets nowadays than it, than it was when I was younger. It's easier. Some of that is, well, a lot of it is because I've spent a lot of time intentionally working on those things. Okay? So when he says that you're going to have endurance and patience, he's praying that you're going to have endurance and patience. So you, you need to ask yourself, well, how do I, who am I there? Where am I in that? Where's my endurance and patience? He says, may you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father. These two things are very important to work together. Being thankful and joy work hand in hand. Now, we, we pick on some of the younger uh, generation right now in their, their, um, 
They have a sense of entitlement. And there's no doubt about that. And the, the idea of entitlement is growing stronger and stronger and stronger. But I don't think it's just affecting the younger generation. The younger generation just doesn't know how to hide it as well when they're talking. Right? I think entitlement is attacking every single age group, every single part of us as a society, and we're getting more and more comfortable with the idea that I deserve, and I'm entitled, and this should happen, and I, I get this, and all, all these things that get into our mind and our, and our thinking, our spirit, and everything else, instead of saying, this is not my life, I give it to you, God. I'm going to be thankful for what? For breathing air today. Just start there. I am thankful that I'm alive today. Start there and work through the stuff in your existence. And it's amazing. As you, as you teach yourself to become more thankful, you have more joy in the process. Guys, our society, and I'm talking American Western society, Christian, American Christendom is losing its joy. We do not have joy. We have lost a lot when it comes to the sense of being thankful and having joy in, in basic things like peace, that we have peace in our life and our spirit. He, he says here that he has enabled you to share the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. Being thankful to God for what? Well, then he starts talking about salvation. Being thankful to God that I'm saved, for he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son, who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. The idea of being forgiven, the idea of being a, a, a new creation in Christ Jesus, our life being changed, and that's being transferred from darkness to light, that is, that is not a, a, a strong, predominant thing in Christian American thinking nowadays. Because why? We're not even accepting that we're, we're sinners. I still hear this. I, hear th- I just heard this the other day. This guy online was having this discussion. They were debating back and forth, and they, and they, and they both said, well, they were discussing the difference between Christianity and, and atheism. And they both said, well, I think we would both agree that, that humans are basically good people. That's a problem thinking. See, that has so invaded our society that we, if, you, if you're basically a good person, all you have to do is just bring out that goodness. But that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says that we are broken, that we are evil, that we look for sin, that we are harmful, that the best that we can come up with and our best of best Christianity is nothing but filthiness to God. Until we look in the mirror and recognize I am a broken sinner that needs a divine Savior, you're going to continue to propagate your own problems, causing yourself issues. When you get to the point where you say, Lord, I need, not just I want, and I think it would be cool to go to that church, but I need a Savior to come in and forgive me, cover me with the blood because I am separated from God, and I need to be with him. And then through your walk with Jesus after that, that I have been purchased by Jesus, which should bring thankfulness. The reason that we have so much when it comes to mentalities of suicide and and just a, a, a lack of respect for human life and human dignity is because we're not really understanding the sovereignty of God. It's not people we need to understand better. We need to understand God better and submit to him. Then we begin to understand we're all broken. We need a Savior. He has purchased my freedom. Do we think about that? Do we process what it means to be forgiven? That I'm forgiven. Back in my day when I was a kid, 
growing up, the way that I saw the church deal with this, the unhealthy way that I saw the church dealing with this, was it became everybody um, was a bad guy. You, it, once, once you got saved, uh, after a couple years of being a Christian, then everybody else was the bad guy, and you were the only good guys, right? So then what happened is you, you began to push everybody else down, and you raise yourself up. Legalism jumps in, and you become, you know, holier than thou, and everybody else is, is, is the bad. Like, <clears throat> like all the, the sinners are the enemy. Well, that's not what Scripture says. Scripture says a sinner is not my enemy. Satan is my enemy, and sin is my enemy, not the sinner. That's the way the church dealt with it years ago. We, we, the church elevated itself to we were all perfect. Well, nowadays, we just say everybody's okay. Not perfect, not bad. We're just all kind of in the middle, and everybody's just okay. Guys, we're not okay. We need Jesus. We need salvation. We need forgiveness. And if we don't get to that point, then we stay in our little circles. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about this a lot over the next three weeks. We stay in this cycle of, well, it's, you know, I'm not that bad and everything's okay. And why is everybody, um, you know, so upset about this? And, and, um, and then guys like me will stand up and say, we've got to say no to sin. And we're like, eh, it's not that big of a deal. And then we stay in our cycles of discouragement and depression no peace, no freedom, no liberation. We're not, we're not really walking in victory. We're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. We're not walking in the, in the freedom that comes along with knowing that Jesus has forgiven you. And we stay in these little cycles. And then we wonder why we're struggling with all this stuff. Guys, we've got, there has to be a point where there, we're in our minds and our spirit. There really is such a thing as salvation. There's always been this discussion in mental health and um, emotional health and all these other kind of things. And then also just behavior, behavior sciences, all this kind of stuff is, well, who are you? Where, where did you come from? What is you? I'm not saying like, well, I came from a, a monkey. That's not what I'm talking about. Although, you know, I, I've met people. I'm like, I don't argue with that. But I'm talking about... How, who, what makes you you? And one of the things that I, that one, the, there's two basic arguments. I'm going to add a third one, but there's two basic arguments. The first one is that you are a product of your DNA, right? And you can't get away from that, no matter how much you might want to. You cannot get away from the fact that you are a product of DNA. I love watching my children struggle with that. that they, they do things, and they're like, oh, that's my dad. I hate that. And I'm like... Because uh, I get it, right? This is the thing: is some of you in this room, you know, you know, you're a product of the D, of DNA, mother, father, and you and you and you hate it. Some of you are like, ah, it's cool. Um, you're probably not old enough yet to figure that out, but 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 you know, you 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 know, this is we cannot argue with this. You are a product of DNA. There's no way you can get around that. Okay, there are certain things, and I'm not just talking visual. I'm talking a lot of stuff that is passed down. And even if you try not to be that person, there's things that just bust through, right? But here's the other part of the argument is, but, and, and some people think it's either or. I think it's both. In fact, I'm going to add a third one. But I, the other side of the argument is, no, you're a, you're a product of environment. And we know that's true, right? You're in product of environment. Um, 
And part of the way you say this, well, you, well, you say, well, a child growing up in a household, they become like their parents. But you could argue that's DNA. That's not environment. But here's the thing. Go to a different country, into a different culture, and watch how environment develops people differently per country. We are also a product of environment. We know this to be true. And, and even environment within context of change of time. Right? There are certain things. <clears throat> I always noticed this with my grandfather. There were certain things that he did, the way he had mannerisms, the way he moved his, his uh, hands, the way he said certain things. These were environment. They were, they were culture. And, and, and that entire uh, World War II generation had a lot of things that were very, very similar. Well, you can drop into any time and space in any generation and, and see things that are similar within that cultural context. Any, any place in time, drop in. My, uh, somebody was telling me there was a TV show. I've, I've only seen a, a little bit of it, so I don't know a lot of the details, but, and I can't even remember the name right now. I think um, Stranger Things or something. I don't know what it is. But, but there, it's, a, it's a, a video capture of the 1980s. Okay? And, uh, and, and it's interesting to me that, like, my daughter's generation watches this show and thinks it's, interesting and cool and bizarre and all these things. And I've seen about 10 minutes of it. I'm like, that was my life. I don't know what you're talking about. That was literally me. Wearing, wearing short, short jogger shorts with socks up to your knees. And then they, the color on the sock, the band on the sock had to match your shorts. And, and then you wore a mesh shirt. And I'm seeing this on there. I was like, man, we were cool. <laughs> but you can drop into any time and space, and you can see how culture also, environment also affects us greatly. But guys, here's the third one, which we do not give credence to, and we must, is choices. Your choices affect you so much. Choice after choice after choice, and then, and then it leads to the next one. It compounds and all this. And, and I've had people that have come and talked to me many, many times over the years. Come and talk to me and say, this, this situation happened. Like it was completely out of the blue. This situation happened. It affected me or my family or something greatly. It was completely out of the blue. But it wasn't. It wasn't. Because why? You made so many choice, choice after choice after choice after choice. To get you to a place, to a place geographically, to a place relationally. These are choices. These are choices. And, and, then, and then to a, to a point, this is why, you know, I say things and I stress for the younger crowd, the, the, I'm, I'm about to start adulthood and think about this, and, and, uh, and, then, and then they turn 18 and they think they're really adults. And, then, and they're going to do all this stuff and these things. And here's the thing that I found. Is, is I made so many mistakes as an as a 18-year-old, 20-year-old, 25-year-old. I made so many mistakes. And then I would be upset because the results of those mistakes were in my life. And, and it took me years to figure out, you're doing this to yourself. Choices. I've got my DNA, I've got my, my, my acculturation, but I'm making choices every single day. And, and when people would say things to me back in the day, I'm saying when I was a teenager, then they would, say, they would talk about Scripture and say, uh, don't be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Don't get married to an unbeliever. 
okay? Now, I know I'm picking a little bit because some of you in this room, this deals directly with you. Don't get married to an unbeliever. Why? Because you will deal with that until that person gets saved. There is going to be baggage. There's going to be issues. There's going to be disconnection. There's going to be a lot of stuff, and we don't process it. And you tell that to an 18-year-old, and they, they just don't see it. They can't see it. It's outside their concept. Well, I could name 30 things right now that any age group, any time, any uh, gender, any that there are things that we just block over because of our environment, because of our DNA, all these different things. But at the end of the day, it's because of our choices. That we're just, I'm just not accepting that. I'm not going to do that. I'm going to think this way. I'm going to act this way. I'm going to believe this way. And God is trying to change us, trying to develop us. But we spend so much time and energy trying to build our own ideas and our own kingdom that we're not listening, not paying attention. And he's trying to tell us, don't do that. Don't step that direction. Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, how I praise the Lord that you are concerned with me again. Now, and look at what he says here. I, I know you have always been concerned for me, but you need to have the chance to help me. Not that I was ever in need. Now, that's an interesting sentence because everything he says after this is going to, from a, from a human point of view and from a very much an American point of view, he is going to disagree with that sentence, that first part of that sentence. He says, not that I was ever in need. And he's going to tell you all the ways that really was a need. Okay? Not that I was ever in need, for I learned how to be content with whatever I have. Now, don't confuse contentment with laziness or status quo or any of that kind of stuff. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying you, this, is the, this is where you are in life. You're still pushing forward. You're still trying to accomplish the things that God has created you to accomplish. But you are very comfortable in your skin with who you are in God. You and him, you're good. Life may be in turmoil around you, and that doesn't mean that you like everything that's going on, but you are content in that situation. Because God, I know you're in charge. I know you're in charge. I'm going to be content. He says, I know how to live on almost nothing. In other words, he was in need. He just said, I, I don't need anything. I wasn't really in need. And then he says, but I didn't have anything, which means he was in need. So how can he say, I didn't need anything? Because it wasn't what was happening. It was his mindset about what was happening. It wasn't that he needed stuff. He needed stuff. He really did. But he said, but I don't really need. In my spirit, I'm good. Yes, I know I need some stuff, but in my spirit, I'm good. Why? Because I serve the provider and the creator of everything. So I'm good. And, and it sounds like circular reasoning, but it's not. He really wasn't in need. In his spirit, in his mind, he wasn't in need, although there were things that we would, that we would argue strongly in our, our, such our, 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 our pampered society. Well, you, you shouldn't have to be going without I've been saying this for years, and this is something that I, I can say and say and say, but until an individual processes it, it's just words. There has to come a point when you, I, all of us as individuals, when we stop saying the mentality or believing, I think it's not just verbalization, it's believing that I deserve. The moment you start saying, I deserve, you're in, you're in trouble. 
because it's so relative. It's relative to, to the most pampered society on the planet saying, I deserve. What? Deserve what? We do this. We tell ourselves this. And then we start working it into areas of our life. In my workplace, I deserve. In my workplace, you don't deserve. We're supposed to be servants of God, and we're supposed to be submitted to God and surrendering ourselves to him. Let him fight whatever battle needs to be fought for you. Let him decide what you deserve. Well, I need this. Let God take care of that. I'm not saying, again, this is not an excuse for laziness or status quo, but I do think there is a mindset. Wherever we are, we could probably back off from what we think we need or deserve or whatever the case is and say, Lord, this is not my life. It's yours. I deserve only what you think I deserve. I only need what you think. He says, and I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I think living with everything is just as challenging as living with nothing. I've said that many times over the years, and I've said, okay, God, but I would like to try the everything part. I've done the nothing a lot, and and I think I'm getting good. God's like, you're not getting good yet. When you get good, we'll give you the everything. Maybe that's not how it works. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it's with a full stomach or empty. That's not how we think in America. I could have an empty stomach and I still not need anything. At some point, there has to be a shift in our thinking. Lord, you're the provider. It's not my job. It's not my paycheck. It's not society. It's definitely not the government. You're the provider. When do I depend upon the Lord completely? Just depend upon the Lord. I, years ago, Lynn and I <clears throat> were pastors. We'd gone from being youth pastors to being pastors, and we had a we had a we were in a very healthy church. Uh, we had a large youth group. When we went from being a youth pastor to pastor, we took a, a major pay cut, like a forty percent pay cut. We, we went, and at the time, like Linda's popping out kids too, so we were we were adding to that that you know that financial drain on your existence. And so um, at, at that time, I'm, I'm pastoring a church, and I'm having to work other jobs, and I'm picking up jobs here and there and doing some things, to, literally just to keep food on the table. And, and I mention this every now and then because it, it just was a big thing for us that we really didn't have anything. And I, it's not like, you know, when you say, well, we don't, have, we don't have any groceries in the house. It's not like a teenager going to the refrigerator and they open the refrigerator and there's, it's so packed you can't even see what's back more than three inches and stuff falling out. And then they, they go over to the pantry and it's, and it's so stacked you can't see part of a shelf. It's all just packed right in there. And then the kid turns around and says, there's nothing to eat, you know. That's not what I mean. I mean when you literally open the cabinets and there's nothing in the cabinet. Nothing. Linda and I have been there. We know what that is. And you're working day by day just to try to make sure that you can do the basics, like put food on the table and pay the bills. And, and, and I'd like to say the end of the story is, and I was so content in all of that. There are times when I was, and there are times when I really felt like, you know, Linda and I stepped up and, and we matured during that. But there were times when we were very upset at God over this stuff. And the idea of being content, man, it was a struggle. It was a huge struggle. But I also believe, for me personally, it was, it was I, I wouldn't go back and trade that. I, I've mentioned this before. My, my, my kids are here. They would tell you this. My boys, I don't think my daughter remembers much. We lived in the worst 
house you could imagine. I, I, nobody in this building lives in a house like we lived in at that time. You say, you don't know where I live, but I know houses. When we moved in, you could, the window seals had broken stuff all around. It was a big stucco house, and you could stick your hand all the way out. Many places throughout the house, you could stick your hand from the inside all the way to the outside. That was in, we just stuffed newspaper and all those cracks and crevices, just, just packed stuff in there just to try to keep the house warm. And we would, and we would, and when it got really cold, we would stay back in our bedroom. The, our bedroom was attached to the boys' bedroom. And we would stay back there because that's the only place we could really heat in the whole house. I could go on. There were animals that lived in our walls. They would fight it in the middle of the night. And we'd just be like, you hope it's a squirrel. Not a mountain lion and a bear in there. But I know what this is, and I'd like to say, but we were content with all this. Guys, we weren't always content. Because we have a, we have a mindset, and I had a mindset, that I deserve better. Somewhere we have to lose that. And I know even as I'm saying that, that that's a struggle in some of your minds and hearts. Well, no, you do deserve better. That's when people say, like, a right, things like, well, health care is a right. It's not a right. People have died for millennium of sickness and disease. It's not a right. We have the privilege of having this stuff. It's a privilege. It's an amazing privilege. We should extend it to as many people as we can, but it's a privilege. Well, things like uh, different types of food. We talk about food. Well, I think everybody should have a right to eat this. What? Who says? I talk to our pastors in India all the time, every week, and I ask them, hey, every now and then, I'll ask them, hey, what would you guys have for dinner tonight? It's the same thing. It's the same thing every night. They don't understand the way we look at things. To, to, to just process some of the stuff that we take for granted. Guys, it's... When do we just say, Lord, I am going to be content, full stomach or empty, with plenty or little? Why? And this is why Paul could say, because I don't really need anything, he says, for I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. I can deal with it. We usually make that sentence about dealing with stuff, but he's talking about being content, that I am content in all situations. Well, how do I do that? Because the Lord will give me the ability to deal with anything in his spirit and his strength. And he will give me the ability to what? We always think it's like, well, I, I, you know, I can tackle this, this, this situation. or what, and, th- and that's true. I'm not taking that off the table. But the context here is being content. And then he says, I can do everything in Christ. So, so when we're talking about our spiritual journey and our endeavors of doing anything in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Where do we start with? Being content with where you are today. Being content, breathing the air that you're breathing. Romans chapter 12, I brought this scripture out a lot lately. And this is, this is I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a lot of emphasis on this for the next few months, probably most of this year coming up. So, so all of, almost all of 2021 has been the same basic theme in all the sermons. How can we be who God has created us to be? Because there's coming a point where we don't have the luxury of letting guys like me do all of the, the church stuff. We have to be the body of Christ. We have to minister to other people. That's almost every message I've spoke this year has been this. I'm going to add an element to this this coming year that I think is, is vitally necessary. 
that the only way that happens is us starting with surrender, submission, and with the expectation that there is also going to be some um, suffering that's going to go along. We've taken that off the table in American Christianity, and it's important. We're going to suffer when we're really doing what Jesus told us. It's going to be difficult. I'm not saying difficult serving him. He says his yoke is easy. But in serving him, life then can become difficult because of people and circumstances. Romans 12, verse 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies your physical bodies, and, and obviously Paul's pretty strong because he says, I plead with you to give your bodies to God <clears throat> because of all he has done for you. He's done more for you. Just, just dying on the cross, he's done more for you than you could ever hope or expect to get. He's done more. And we, and we want so much after that, so much, so much, so much. Well, Jesus, you died on the cross for me. That should be causes contentment in our spirit, should be. And he says, let them, our lives, our bodies, let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Become a living sacrifice. You're still alive. You're not dead to people. You're not dead to the world. You're dead to yourself. The more you die to self, the more you become alive in Christ to the world. The more you become a living thing to the world, a living example of grace and mercy and and the love of Christ, all these things, you become a living example of that when you die to self. But as long as you are about living in self predominantly, you can't be alive for somebody in the world. You're taking too much energy. You're taking too much. Everything is about you. You, you, you're, You're pulling it into you. Instead of when you die to self, then you're content in all things. Then it frees you up to be a minister to somebody else, to be loved to somebody else, to be transformation to somebody else. When everything is being sucked into your orbit, you're, you're, you, can't, you don't have anything left over to give to somebody else. Time, energy, resources, love, compassion. We've got to be this living sacrifice, dead to me, alive in Christ. And then he said, that's actually the way you worship God. That's how you worship the Lord. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world. We're too trapped in this. We're too trapped. We play around too much with sin, and then we wonder why we don't have peace. We don't have joy. We don't have all this other stuff. We're playing around in sin, then we wonder why our marriages are struggling, our families are struggling, because we're playing around with sin, and we won't just stop. Stop letting the world tell you this is okay. Stop letting the world say that it's not going to affect you. It's not going to bother you. And, and Jesus is saying, I don't, want you to do, I don't want you to be involved in any of this stuff. And we're playing games. We're playing games. Don't let the world tell you what's okay. That's some of the filters we're going to be unpacking over the next few weeks. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world, but let God transform you, change you into a new person. How? By changing the way you think. We need a God worldview. God has to tell us what that view is. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And I think we spend a lot of time trying to find God's will when we're not surrendering to him. 
Lord, what do you want me to do? Well, I would like, no, 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 God, shh, here's what I want to do. That, that's really what we're doing. Because why? That's what sin does in our life. That's what disobedience, that's what rebellion does in our life. Is it shuts down what God's trying to do, which is his perfect and pleasing will, and it replaces it with, no, this is what I am going to do. Those are not the same thing. <clears throat> Two basic things here. This is my desire. This is my plan for me for this year. This is kind of like my... my um, my mission for this year, my mindset. Um, the first thing is that I want, I, I want to be what Jesus created me to be. And, and I've had people say to me, but, but you're doing that. I mean, you're a pastor. You're doing all this. Me, me, me doing what I do here every week is, is part of what God has created me to do. It's, it's a major part when it comes to occupation. But God is always developing and trying to do more with me and trying to, to change my thinking and, and help me see this and minister to people better here. God's always doing that. Just because I have got to a place in my life occupationally where I'm accomplishing the things that I think God has called me to doesn't mean that he's like, okay, you're good. I'll move on to somebody else. He's always wanting to develop me and change me. I want to be who he's created me to be. I want to say the things that he wants me to say, not what I say. I, I, want, to, I want to think the way he wants me to think, which brings me to the second part of this, which is, I, I, this is a major one for me, is, is I want to have the worldview that Jesus desires for me to have. In other words, I want to see people, life, God, situation, Bible. I want to have the worldview. I want to see the world the way God wants me to see it, not the way um, the Internet tells me, not the way that the government tells me, not the way that, the, that all the, the, the prophets and preachers online tell me. I want to hear from God for me from the Word. This is the way I want you to see this subject. This is the way I want you to see this subject. And let the Holy Spirit show me this. God, I want the worldview you have for me. I want to I be who you've created me to be. I want to see things the way that you've created me to see them. And, and I don't want anything else added to that. Just, just that. I ask you to bow your head with me. Lord, we ask you to come into our mind and our spirit right now. We need you. Jesus, I pray that you truly open our eyes. Lord, open our eyes and see you right now. Lord, break through all the ways that we have already predetermined to see you. And, and help us to see you. Lord, if we've got sin issues in our life, help us to deal with them right now. If we've got attitude issues, help us to deal with them. Lord, if we're just going along with the way the world says something, help us to see it. Lord, break through all the stuff. Help us to see you. Then when we open your word, it'll be fresh and new and that we'll see, we'll see something that, about you that we haven't seen before. And then use that, Lord, to develop us and change us, mature us, convict us. And we want to see you. Lord, thank you for your forgiveness. Lord, bring the, bring the sensitivity to the reality of forgiveness into all of our spirits right now. Lord, help us not to take for granted 
your blood on the cross. I want us to take it seriously. And then I'm going to live for you. I'm going to shout out who you are. I'm going I'm to live, I'm going to embrace holiness because of you. Because you're awesome. And you're really holy. We thank you for this. Jesus. We're going to um, we're going to take communion, but we're not going to do this. We're going to do it different. I'm not going to read scripture. I'm not going to pray and tell you when to do this. Just before you leave, spend a few minutes. I'm going to do this up here. I'm going to pray. But I'm going to take communion. You take communion, just you and God. Does anybody need one of the communion packets? I got one. You get some over here. She's got some right there. Okay. And what I want you to do is just you do it. Just you do it. You don't. You don't have to have somebody like me leading you in this. And guys, just to say, here's one of the things that I always do. Before I take communion, I, mean, I, I can remember this as a little kid doing this. I've never gotten away from this. Even when I wasn't serving Jesus, if I was in a church and I took communion, I would ask Jesus to forgive me. In fact, I was really focused in on it then. But I still do that today. Jesus, just wash me with your blood. Just cover me. Right? So... Here's what I'd like to do. The service is over. Um, spend a little time with the Lord, take communion, and then go to lunch or whatever you're going to do. Right? And I'm going to do this for me. You do it for you.